Hello and welcome to episode 2 of All Rings Considered, a read-through of The Lord of the Rings. I am Pip, and with me is my co-host, Charlie. What's up? This chapter begins 17 years after the events of the previous chapter. Gandalf returns to the Shire um, to discuss the ring's history with Frodo, and we get a little bit of its history of its creation and what it actually is. And at the end, Frodo discovers that he must leave the Shire in order to protect it. So, Charlie, I know that you especially like this chapter. Can you tell me some about why that is? Absolutely. So, I, I'm not going to say this is my favorite chapter. and I'm not sure what my favorite chapter is, and maybe it's something that will come through as we go through the text. But uh, what I really am always struck by with this chapter is how it reads like a, a sort of Tolkien's greatest hits in terms of the lines and the dialogue and the prose that you see here. It makes me think about you know, I, we're going to talk about what our favorite lines are in the book, or, or sorry, are in the chapter, and there's so many in this one. I felt I felt like it was very easy for me to do that for chapter one, right? I think it will be easy in future chapters. That's really hard to do here because there's so many great, great lines. And I think as further evidence of that, one thing that strikes me is that all these great lines in here in the movie adaptations by Peter Jackson they like spread those lines throughout the trilogy because they just had so many of them. They could just put them all over the place. You know, just to give you one example to start with, maybe my actual favorite line of the chapter, you have here as after Gandalf has, has told uh, Frodo about the ring and like its actual power and meaning, Frodo says, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And Gandalf responds, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. I love that That's line. a really powerful line. It's yeah, I mean, it's almost cliche at this point, right? But that's incredible. Like, really stop and think about that line. It's hopeful. I mean, I think that line itself is better than any self-help book I think I could ever read, right? Right. <laughs> I, could, I could just read this line. It, it's, it's brilliant. So that's kind of my take on the chapter. I could, you know, we'll talk more about some of my other favorite lines too, but... What about you? Is what what are your overall thoughts on the chapter? I do like this chapter a lot. I I think I get some things similar from you. I think we kind of talked about before how this being a great work, you know, it's kind of inexhaustible in its interpretations. Mm-hmm. I feel like I get a lot of what I think the big themes are for the Lord of the Rings from this chapter just right off the bat. One thing that I like to look at, I kind of see, I kind of see a uh, like Tolkien's. The way I see it is a his morality is a like a rejection of utilitarianism, and I think I'll talk about that more as we get through the book. But you see clearly in the beginning that it's not about what the consequences, immediate consequences of your actions are. It's that did you do what you thought was right? Um, we see that with the pity of Bilbo, where Frodo. Uh, Gandalf just talks about how, as a consequence of Gollum escaping and returning to Mordor, or going to Mordor, the enemy knows where the Shire is, and is, or at least uh, knows the Shire exists and wants to destroy it. And then all these horrible things are happening. And so Frodo says, "Ah, like, well, I wish Bilbo had just killed him, or as a, you know, as a pity he didn't kill him." Mm-hmm. And Gandalf says, "Pity. It was pity that stayed his hand. Pity and mercy. Do not strike without need." And I think that's a really important part of overall theme of the book, that it's uh, goodness that is important. 
and, and not uh, deciding for yourself in the moment if you think you'll do what you think will achieve uh, what you want. Yeah. That's another example, too, by the way, of just a classic line, right? I mean, that, that line stays with you, I think, long after you read this. And just to follow up on that theme, just but two paragraphs down, you hear Gandalf talk about how um, he says that many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. And again, just to go on your theme there of this sort of anti-utilitarian sort of thinking like you know you don't really know what the greater good is yeah you're not going to be able to know that like you you got to do what's sort of more right in in principle on like a smaller level and i think part of his argument there is that it's not that you don't want the greatest good it's that you really don't know that much and so your decision about what you think is going to cause the greatest good is ill-informed and so you're better off doing what you think, or what you think is right, um, rather than what you think will work the best. Uh, I think Tolkien has like more religious themes about it, where he, I think he's suggesting that by design of the universe, there's a greater power that has ordained for that to be the case. Mm -hmm. But I think the, I think the point still holds. Yeah, I think a couple of things I want to say there, like on that idea of Tolkien has that there's some greater power running things. You do have again another greatest hits line right here where Gandalf points out that Bilbo's finding the ring in The Hobbit, he says that there was something else at work behind that, beyond any design of the ringmaker. I can put it no plainer than by saying that Bilbo was meant to find the ring, and not by its maker, in which case you, Frodo, also were meant to have it. And that may be an encouraging thought. Great line, right in there, of course, with the, the worldview here, that there's there's some other power at work in the universe that is way bigger than anybody on earth on middle earth i guess and that we have to accept that it's working too in sort of mysterious ways i i, I like to the sort of rejection here of grand wise hero who knows everything and in its places are like these more are humbler people and obviously gandalf is in his way great you know no doubt but this is of course not his story it's it, it is the hobbit story and and they aren't. And one th way that came out to me here was how in this chapter, Frodo, even though he's a bit more of an adventurous hobbit and stuff, he doesn't, like, take bad news super well. Right. Right? Like, he doesn't take this and be like, ah, well, you know what? I'm resolved to go do something about this. He's, he's really like, oh, my gosh, like, this, this is terrible. And he has these lines, like, just simple lines. Gandalf just tells him that, hey, maybe you were meant to find this ring. Or meant to have it at least. And that may be an encouraging thought. And Frodo's immediate response is, it is not. <laughs> it's, it's not. It's not encouraging. I that's terrible. And I, I love that sort of humanity throughout the chapter of him where he's he's always like, I this is tough. I mean, he just has these lines like, I am frightened and I do not feel any pity for Gollum. And he just he he can't just like get on board with what Gandalf's saying. He's there's a lot of doubt and a lot of resistance here. It's a great beginning. And like who can blame him? Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's a great beginning and it's a great way for us to connect with Frodo, where Frodo is very human in that way. Yeah. And Frodo, it, additionally, is human in the ways that he fails to see kind of Gandalf's point, where he's talking about the story of Smeagol and how sad it is that he was corrupted by the ring and ended up being exiled by his family and tormented by being a murderer. And 
Frodo in the beginning uh, says that he has this uh, um, kind of an outburst after Gandalf points out that he's kind of like a hobbit. Um, and he says, oh, well, you know, hobbits hobbits would, are not like that. The hobbits don't cheat. And then kind of near the end of the discussion of Gollum, Gandalf is pointing out how when he was following him, Gollum was kind of, you know, murmuring to himself about how Bilbo actually cheated him out of cheated him out of the ring during the uh, the riddle game. Um, and sort of kind of just points out that Frodo still doesn't quite understand the nature of evil yet and how it could be him himself who uh, is going to have to struggle with it. Yeah. And, I mean, his struggle continues even when he he gets sort of more conflicted by the end. I mean, he he does decide he is going to go. But he says things like, because he says things like, I should like to save the Shire if I could. I feel that as long as the Shire lies behind, safe and comfortable, I shall find wandering more bearable. I shall know that somewhere there is a firm foothold, even if my feet cannot stand again. Or rather, stand there again. And he then describes, he sa- he describes like this sort of task being laid upon him. He says, of course, I have sometimes thought of going away, but I imagine that as a kind of holiday, a series of adventures like Bilbo's, or better, ending in peace. But this would mean exile, a flight from danger into danger, drawing it after me. And I suppose I must go alone if I am to do that and save the Shire. But I feel very small and very uprooted and, well, desperate. The enemy is so strong and terrible. It's a really powerful sentiment there, and and it really, I think, summarizes his doubts and hesitations on this in in, in that sort of human aspect. But it also says he's kind of conflicted because he, as he was speaking, it says, a great desire to follow Bilbo flamed up in his heart, to follow Bilbo and even perhaps to find him again. It was so strong that it overcame his fear. So Frodo is not entirely, like, unwilling here, right? Right. Yeah. There, there's a part of him that that's that is is good to go, which is interesting. Any other themes that you picked up on here, Pip, in this chapter? Well, Charlie. Um, oh well, well, well. I, I have I have mentioned before that uh, water is always important to look at if you're looking for um, interesting symbolism. I think it's just interesting to notice that when the ring escapes the seal door, it falls into the river Anduin. Water often being like this great vast unknown and so you kind of see this theme of evil never really being destroyed it just kind of is forgotten about um, and so the temptation for the abuse of power uh, which the ring can be interpreted as representing doesn't really get destroyed it just kind of goes into some place where people aren't really thinking about it until it's rediscovered uh yeah for so for me something that comes up in this chapter is the ambiguity i guess of what's going to happen if the ring is destroyed because gandalf does take this chapter to convince frodo oh this has to this has to go to mount doom and get destroyed there like that's there's just really that's the only choice but he also says things like how over the years like sauron over the millennia i guess it's he says here that he believed that the one ring had perished that the elves had destroyed it as should have been done so if he, you know, Sauron thought it had perished, there must be some kind of ambigu- ambiguity here over whether or not this actually would do anything, right? Like, even if they do destroy it, is that going to destroy Sauron? Right. And I, th- I think that's an interesting tension, right? So that even if Frodo accepts, and he does accept, of course, but he accepts this crazy, impossible, difficult task, and, like, even if he does it, 
we don't know if it'll work. Hopefully, <laughs> um, it's an idea, <laughs> but we all know for sure. And I think I think that's an interesting tension there. And I think it makes Frodo even braver than you might already take him to be. Yeah, it makes his quest a little more similar to Galadriel's story as well. Okay, hold up. Um, but we'll get don't to that. Don't be spoiling one. things for me, Pip. <laughs> Let's see. Anything else miscellaneous about this chapter? Yeah. Uh, I did think that it was interesting that it kind of starts and ends with Sam. Um, the beginning of the chapter, we have Sam at the Green Dragon. You kind of musing to a couple other hobbits about the sort of oddities that he's heard about recently and his you know dreams of seeing an elf. And at the very end of the chapter, it closes with Sam. Sam is discovered to have been eavesdropping on Frodo and Gandalf, and his punishment from for learning the truth is that he also now bears the responsibility of uh, protecting the Shire. Oh, I love that. And I think that's I think that's kind of interesting. Is that that's his that's the consequence of of learning the truth is that now you bear responsibility. Yeah, I love that. That's fantastic. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a th- constant theme here of throughout Lord of the Rings. I think it, it shows up in this chapter of the view the worldview of the child versus the worldview of the actual sort of adult and i think the hobbit and bilbo's adventures stand in for the worldview of the child um, as well as just the shire itself is the worldview of the child and then the worldview of the adult and i I don't think the the book doesn't render judgment that says the worldview of the child is a bad thing but it does say it's sort of inevitably overtaken right it's it's not the reality you see that hinted at here at the beginning it talks about how the maps made in the shire show mostly white spaces beyond its borders right it's very limited uh you had that line i read earlier where frodo's like i always imagined if i had to go away it would be like bilbo's adventures like and i get to come back and it's a holiday and it's like oh no actually like to go into the world is is pain and it's awful <laughs> and good luck um <laughs> But you have to do it anyway. And yeah, you just have to do it. Like it's your well, it's, or at least you have that choice. Or it's it's the right thing to do, right? It's what it's what you have to decide to do in the times that have been given to you. So that's definitely one of those themes I'm looking for a lot in this current read through. Well, let's go ahead and wrap up here. Let's just wrap up. What's your favorite line from the chapter? So I think my favorite line is in. It's just a sentence embedded in kind of one of the famous ones that we talked about, where many that live deserve death and some that die deserve life. Can you give it to them? Then do not be too eager to deal out death and judgment. But my favorite part is right after it says, for even the very wise cannot see all ends. And I think that's just a really important part of the way I come at this book, where it's, you know, uh, even if you think you're great, you really don't know too much about about everything yeah that, that's, I mean, sounded in my head more optimistic than it came out but <laughs> <laughs> but um you know it's a no, but it it's mean, a lesson it's, about it's, responsibility to do what you think is right and not what you yeah think is. I mean, that's a running theme though that in the rings like in general if you're like a great person you're probably lesser than the least of these right, right. Uh, like the hobbits are going to be the greatest people here and yet they are the smallest and i think that's going to be a theme that just runs through and through and and we'll see more throughout the the story. I know coming up, like we'll see these like great people make a lot of mistakes. I think that's something that gets overlooked a lot in Tolkien, amid all the criticism of it for being just like, oh, good people are good, and that's that. But like a lot of the good people here screw up a lot. You know, something to keep our eye on as we go through. So speaking of coming up, Charlie, what do we have next? What's the next episode? You didn't ask me what my favorite line was. Oh, Charlie. What's your oh my line? God. 
Actually, well, that's fair because I actually said what my favorite line was way back at the beginning. My favorite is definitely still Gandalf saying that. Well, Frodo saying, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And Gandalf saying, so do I. And so do all who live to see such times. But that is not for them to decide. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given to us. You know, just saying that one more time for posterity. It's so good. It deserves it. It's worth saying. Absolutely. Uh, so for next time, so we end here with Frodo has been has been given this quest to leave the Shire with the ring. Sam's going to join him. He's going to take the ring. He's going to make for Rivendell. That's sort of like step one, and they'll see what happens from there. So next chapter is chapter three. Three is company, which I just picked up on that it's chapter three, and it starts with the word three. That's funny. Hilarious. Hilarious. Good job, Tolkien. I'm laughing. <laughs> we're, la- we're having a good time. We're laughing. So yeah, look forward to that. And we will see you then.